Welcome to the Great Lakes Golf Podcast for the week of December 12, 2022. Not exactly golf season right now, but we're here and we're ready to talk about it. Alongside Hunter Pulaski and Petoskey, I am Peter Garber in gray, cloudy, ugly Chicago. Uh, wishing I was in Florida, in a place like Naples or something, where it looked pretty nice over the weekend at the QBE shootout, which delivered. So we'll talk about uh, Sahith Thigala getting his first victory, albeit in a team format, but a big deal for Sahith. Uh, PNC Championship is coming up this weekend, so you get to see the dailies and the woods and some other teams really battle it out, so that ought to be fun. Alex Scott from Traverse City. He's been playing a little golf and been playing well. We'll keep you posted on what he's been up to. And of course, we got to get into the match. Right, Hunter? Was that the big golf event over the weekend, I guess? JT and Jordan make quick work of uh, Tiger and Rory. I was not right in thinking that they had a fucking chance because this thing was just about over before it started. And I don't know what your takeaway was, but it looks like largely on the side of the public, the main takeaway was that they finally got the broadcast thing starting to work a little bit. And Justin Thomas was a big part of that because he's a good trash talker and he was letting Charles Barkley have it a little bit. Yeah, I felt like that was that was by far the most most authentic uh, commentary trash talk that there's been in all the matches. Um, but I think it just obviously just helps with the guys. The guys all know each other. Um, and I guess I don't know how well, like, I don't know if, if Rory and like JT hang out outside of golf. I think they obviously know each other pretty well. So that would be the, that's the only one I wasn't sure about, but the rest of the guys I feel like are all, are all good friends and it, it made for good television. I loved the under the lights. I mean, you give me golf, give me something different. It doesn't take much. Just give me something different. Golf under the lights was very exciting. Yeah. It looked pretty cool too. I mean, I, I totally agree that the fact that it's not. It was slightly less contrived this time around in the sense of four professional players, all except for Tiger, who are pretty good and uh, who are friendly with each other and know each other. It was always going to create a better uh, better broadcast. Did Barkley kind of, like, how was the Immelman-Barkley? Was Immelman just kind of in the background because Barkley was more in the foreground and they made a bigger deal out of him? Uh I wouldn't say I didn't. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like Charles stole the show by any means, like in a bad way. I think, and I don't think he over talked. I think there was, it was a really good. It was a really good broadcast. There was a lot of jailing. I think Emelman did a fine job too. Do you watch from start to finish? I well, that's why I can't figure out. So I watch from start until when JT and Jordan closed them out. But then I, I can't. I thought I saw videos online of them continuing to play. I for sure thought that. Uh, whoever that be is that Turner Sports or TNT whatever their their um mm-hmm. company is yeah. that they're saying in Jordan and Justin's ear like hey you guys got to chill out we got a we got a 12 hole match to play and that the that uh apparently that did not get through to those guys because uh like you said it was Well there were three up after four. It was over over before it started. It's, it's it is it is nice knowing that even in like a match setting like that, Rory still can't. Rory still can't putt, which was which was tough to see. And those guys were making some putts. Well, Rory's a much much better putter than George, uh, uh, Justin Thomas. He wasn't last night or whatever. Yeah, I mean, putted. That's how putting works, though. Yeah, I mean, Rory's a great putter. <sighs> I th- 
just to be just so we're on the same page, the better putters were on the Tiger and Rory team, not the other team. Uh, well, the- they may have made putts on last night, but I just like were they were, were Rory and Tiger? Did it was it clear to you? Did you think that one team was trying harder than the other? No, no, I think they all wanted to. I think they all wanted to win. Yeah, I think those they're just it's all in their competitive nature, especially for those four guys. The more, how the, bad was Tiger's play? How would you grade Tiger? Um, so I'm specifically thinking about the second hole. I believe it was. I think it was the second hole. They did like this DraftKings thing where if somebody makes a hole in one, it's like a million dollars donated, so on and so forth. If all four players hit the green, uh, I think they donated like five hundred thousand, maybe a hundred thousand. And the first three, Jordan, JT, go first, hit it. It was a really easy pretty easy hole. I think it was like 170, 180 yards pin kind of right in the middle. Those two guys hit the green Rory hits the green and the tiger misses the green. So there were a couple of instances like that where you felt like he was maybe a slightly behind, but nothing, nothing crazy. You know what? The more we're talking about this beer is it makes it sound like you did not find TNT between, uh, between our last episode. And no, most of what the coverage I've seen of this has been secondhand. <laughs> yeah. But, it wouldn't have mattered, Hunter. It wouldn't have mattered. My, uh, what was it? So what time did they start? Seven. So uh, six my been... time. Yes. Yeah, I was. I was. Things of things of things of. You were in the trenches. Yeah, yeah. I was. I was in the. I was in the crap, as they say. <laughs> um. So you project out Tiger to play fine this week at the PNC. Do you give him a chance to win the PNC? Uh yeah. Oh, 100%. I know he's going to just gonna be riding Charlie, but you didn't see anything that was alarming. No. Because no, I know no. you mentioned it at the outset of this or before we started recording, Tiger's going to play three times in December. I imagine that counts. Well, that, uh, that was what was going to happen, but then he set out the hero. Okay. So two, And the two. match is one of those? Yes. Okay, so really he played a 12-hole <laughs> match, and he's going to play a hit and giggle with his kid. Yes. <laughs> okay. Yep, exactly. That's, that's, just care, exactly I want to be careful not to make that turn that into uh, something that it's not. No, I, I'm actually looking right now because I'm curious to know. Yeah, and it's it's turns out DraftKings does not have any markets for the PNC Championship this weekend. That seems fair. I don't know. Which if we, is disappointing. If we should be betting on on 13 year olds, that seems that seems like there's some moral flaw there. I also, I think, I think it's important to remember that I think the only reason they played well last year was because Charlie like careered it for two days in a row. So not, not saying he won't do that again, but, but he's also a year older. He is a year older. Yes. So he's, he's going to be, he's probably going to be at that age. How old is he? Uh, I said 13. I didn't know if that was. I so that you was... make so you can get quite a bit better in a year's time at that age because you're changing so rapidly physically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his swing. I mean, obviously his swing looks his swing looks awesome. So his his dad may have 13. regressed as far as as much as he's progressed though, and therefore their team is not cumulatively better. But yeah, I guess still. I mean, it, it's got to be nice for Tiger to see a see a somebody roll a putt. And then you get to learn from that putt. That uh, makes him pretty dangerous. I'm excited to watch daily the daily um, father and son because I've 
John Daly Jr. is on has quite a few YouTube videos where he plays and he is he can hit the crap out of the golf ball. It's very fun to watch. Yeah, so let's hear let's go through the field list, shall we? We got the we got the sink team sink this weekend of Stu and Connor. Mm-hmm. Is Connor the one that's that caddies for him? He has caddy for him, but he's not the one that that like left school or whatever he did to He's like the other brother? Yes. Okay, so this is Connor's time to shine, and the other brother gets to carry dad's bag all the time. Yep. You got the dailies, which is hilarious to look at this field list on PJTour.com because it literally says Little John Daly. John Daly and Little John Daly Jr. Uh, the Duvals, Brady and David Duval, Baldos, Ferex, Harringtons, uh, Nellie Corda playing with her dad, Peter. Who was a former professional tennis player, right? Yes. Yep. Uh, Carson Kucher playing with his dad, the Langers, the Laymans, Luke and Justin Leonard, uh, O'Meara's players, Jordan and Gary Player, Nick and Greg Price, Vijay Singh with his son Cass. Jordan Spieth playing with his dad this week, huh? I swear. Oh, yes. Yeah, I'm thinking of JT and yes. So they're just having like a couple week vacation. The Thomases and the Spieths, they played the match. Now they're heading over to the Ritz in Orlando. Uh-huh. Going to hang out because you got the Thomases and the Spieths, Trevinos, and then, of course, the team of Charlie and Tiger woods to complete the field so i can see why the books are not eager to put out numbers for the pnc because i think of the teams i just mentioned would you say maybe four of those teams have an actual chance of winning and i would include the woods in that i think it's the woods the thomases uh what do we know about jordan's dad's golf game i I'm going to say it's not as good as Big Mike Thomas, being that he's a PGA professional. Oh, I wouldn't even say it's close. I, f- I feel like I really don't even know that much about Jordan's parents. I don't either. Like, actually, like actually very... I saw a picture of the guy and I thought, my goodness, is that the first time I've ever seen that man? <laughs> I know. I, I honestly, I, I would have not, I would have not a clue what Jordan's beast dad. Well, I know that he has a special needs sister, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah, which has been kind of the part of his family life that they've emphasized in the past. But mm-hmm. last year, to Hunter's point, the Dailies won this by two. The Dailies in the Woods both shot minus 15 on the last day. The Dailies minus 27 total. The Woods were two shots back, minus 25. Then the Thomases and Team Sink tied at 24. So I would give, obviously, all four of those two teams, all four of those teams, a chance this year. Spieths are newcomers. Maybe they have a little bit of a chance if Jordan goes crazy, but you know, it's it's really that it's gonna be a you're gonna get a lot of TV time from the Dailies, the Woods, and the Thomases this weekend for sure. Yes, the only one I could only other ones that I'm. So I thought one of the it wasn't the Kucher. I think Kucher's kid plays tennis, but who is Patrick Harrington? I'm thinking of like guys that are just, you got to have if like, cause a couple of these guys are going to, I'm waiting for, 
Well, the Harrington shot 15 under total last year. Okay, it's not. So they're a full 10 shots back. That's not great. And it was Patrick playing? I don't know for sure. They don't give me that information because this Champions Tour does not do a very detailed job of... Uh, yeah, it's it's gonna be one of those three. I was looking. I thought Jim. I thought Jim's kid, Jim Furyk's kid, played golf, but I think I'm thinking of somebody else. So there's really nobody else either. You're either the the pro is just a little bit too old. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not even looking. Oh yeah, it's a two. It's a two round event, right? Correct. They play Friday and Saturday, or Saturday and Sunday. Saturday and Sunday. There is a. So uh, Saturday, it's one o'clock to two o'clock on Peacock, and then two to six on NBC, and then Sunday is eleven thirty to twelve thirty on Peacock, twelve thirty to one thirty on Golf Channel, one thirty to four thirty on NBC. And if you really want to get involved, you can watch the PNC Pro Am on Friday from three to five Eastern. That is that is. That's a lot of coverage for this. <laughs> I've never, this may be the first time I've ever complained. They're going to put too much golf on network TV, but man, there's going to be a lot of filler content on, on Saturday and Sunday this weekend. I think this is going to be a lot of, this is who this is. And look at, they're having such a great time together. And well, touchy feely. We're kind of like sneaky. Stuff. We're in the, we're getting towards the dog days without any college football. Like NBC. Not to say that that's what's usually at NBC, but this is just kind of a weird time of year with getting into the holiday. Well, I know it's a weird time of year because I saw those promos watching football over the weekend that, that we've got three games on Saturday this week. Yes, I just saw something about that. So that's the sure sign that 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 means Saturday's up for grabs. Yep. Which is probably what people like live uh, the people behind the live tour and when they're talking about the fall series on the PGA. They see these couple of weeks here before Christmas and think somebody's going to generate some some viewership on a on a Saturday or 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 a Sunday, and it's why not us? I guess. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, it's just, it's going to be the you put Tiger Woods and John Daly in the same event. You're going to get some eyeballs. Yeah, people are going to watch that. Um, exciting. All right, so looking forward to the PNC Championship. Like Hunter said, that starts on Saturday. Um, and then we have a bit of a break. So let's just, just for just for the sake of of uh, everybody being on the same page, look at I take a quick look at the at the schedule here because it is speak, dog, the dog days apply to uh, to golf too because we've got the PNC this weekend, which I, I guess is technically a Champions Tour event. So really, the PGA Tour is off, um, technically speaking, and not back until the Century Tournament of Champions, won last year by Cameron Smith, which will be played the that first. I guess it's what is that? Is it the first week of January? Yeah, first full week of January because New Year's is on a Sunday. So that Thursday, January fifth, they'll tee you, up in you. Kapalua, and that's the one. That was that crazy event last year where that was really fun. Where uh, Cam Smith shot like thirty-four under and set a record for most uh, feet of putts hold in a in a single event. And he beat 
somebody else it was a Cameron Young or somebody else played really well too. It's got to like 32 under. Um, but that will not be until January 5th through the 8th. And then we get into it, that good sort of January swing where they go they play the Sony, American Express, John Rahm's favorite tournament, and then culminating at the Farmers uh, at Torrey Pines, which will be the last week of January. Did you see the they had the the field list for the Century Tournament of Champions? Somebody posted it from the PGA Tour. And in all the spots where there was a live tour winner, they just had a bunch of question marks. <laughs> it was like four or no. five question marks. Super petty. <laughs> Super petty. I and somebody somebody said made a really good comments like the PGA Tour is fantastic at making people look at things they don't want people to look at. So like almost just like it'd be better off if you just put Cam Smith's name there rather than the the question marks almost makes it worse. Yes, yes. And I got yes. I got to kick out of that. Uh before we move on, I don't know if you have seen this. So go if you go to the news on pjtour.com these uh I'm pretty sure it was Justin Ray did the top 10 stats of the year. I think we should run through these. These things are pretty uh pretty All right, hit me. Hit me. What are they? So who who do you think posted the, the lowest? So who had a really good year but didn't have a win? P- posted the lowest 72 hole 72 hole total in PGA Tour history by a player to not win. It's, that was the tournament I was just talking about. Oh, so actually Cameron Young 32 under at the Century Tournament of Champions? No, so it was it was Russell Henley posted the lowest 72 hole total in PGA Tour history by a player not to win. For most of the 2022 Sony Open in Hawaii, it looked like Russ Hundley was going to pick up second win site maiden title nine years ago. Oh, it was the, wait. It was Hideki. Yeah, that was the week after the century. Correct. So did, what, what happened to Russell that week? Hundley shot a 65 in the final round, but he was defeated by Matsuyama in a playoff. In the history of the PGA Tour, there has been 23 instances of a player recording a 72-hole score of 258 or lower. Henley who finished with the regulation of 257 is the only one of those players not to win. So that was actually, that's that's really funny that you bring that up because obviously Russell won a few weeks ago. That was the week we get, we made the sandwich bet that Russell Henley would win an event in 2022. <laughs> and he won like <laughs> immediately after the 2022 season ended and we switched to the 2023 season or whatever it was and i was like okay does this count but you're right i do remember that now and gosh it almost felt like a year in which hideki didn't win but yeah he kind of stole that one from from russell so it's nice to see russell get a win later in the year so this should be an easy one for you uh first player in tour in tour history with two rounds of 60 or lower in the same season first round leader will be will be your hint munoz yes he shot, he shot two sixties opening round 60 at the AT&T Byron Nelson cash. And then, uh, he opened with a 60 at the RSM classic in the fall. <laughs> Crazy. That dude can go low. He can go really low. He goes so low. That's a great stat. All right. What's next? Uh, 
I like that you've made this into trivia. I appreciate that. Yeah, well, I'm sure I'll have. I'll sure I'll look like an idiot here in no time. Uh, who had seven top three finishes in the 2021-2022 seasons, but no wins? A first in the PGA Tour since, or the first the first time since Cameron 1993. Young. Yes. Yep. Cameron I finally Young. got the Cameron Young question right. <laughs> yeah. Props to me. <laughs> this player. Yeah. An incredible year, and I did see that Daniel Rappaport on Barcelona the other day did give him his Rookie of the Year. Well, I didn't. Nod. I didn't read what, what. What does he call those? The golfies? Oh, yeah, they're so dumb. Are but they? I mean, I just yeah, I just think his his writing style is not adjusted accordingly to that. And I don't think platform. I don't think it's necessarily because he did he did whatever this is before he joined Barcelona, correct? Whenever he's like, did these awards? You mean? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I don't necessarily think that that. So I watch. I'll watch. They'll do like this thing called travel series for Barstool, where the four guys from Four Play. I don't listen to their pod, but I will. I'll watch those YouTube videos of them going to play courses, and he is just just with like editing time and whatnot. Just these last few videos they've released have included him, and he's he's a bit of a dork. Yeah, that's that's probably the best. I don't even mean that. Maybe because nerd is not a bad thing, but he's a little bit of a dork, just a little bit. So I I just it'll take me. I just think he's sticking out like he's a sticking out sticks out like a sore thumb, kind of on that. He does a little bit. Um, He's got good golf swing. But I did see he 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 gave and he follows golf very closely. So in many ways, I trust his opinion because it it is a the rookie of the year. Thing that Cameron Young stuff is amazing, but you know, people are going to say, Well, what about Tom Kim? Yeah, that's who tough one. just you know, like what he did, you know, kind of that second half there, and he won a tournament. So, I don't know. I mean, what's who would you let me ask you this? Who would you, who, whose season would you have rather had, Tom Kim's or Cameron Young? Uh, I think. I'll answer first since you don't know. I want the dub. That's kind of where that's where I was leaning. So I'm on. To, I'm. I would pick Tom Kim. It's like finishing top three over and over again is awesome. I saw Ryan Palmer in his post game presser, post round presser, when they miss those two shorties at the QBE to tie it up on 18. That you're never disappointed with second, but like I get all that. But winning a tournament is special. Well, you when you beat Ooh, everyone else and you actually hold up the trophy that's a big deal right yeah no it's it's kim i I kind of i don't want to say forgot but i had a moment of weakness where i forgot that he had got that second one at the shriners so it's got to be tom kim i almost think you're getting cam young, cameron young is going to win but you start finishing second a lot People start asking questions. I know. So I, I know. I, I hope that that win. doesn't turn on him too fast because no. sometimes it takes a while to win. Yep. He's just got. He's got to improve his uh, iron play. Because when he gets hot with the putter, he should win. He's just not quite there mm-hmm. with the irons yet, which is like the difference between him and a guy like Tom Kim. You've got to be good with your irons on the PGA Tour. So much of every week is about how you approach the green. So your driver will get you seconds and thirds and a gazillion dollars. 
but your irons will get you W's. Mm-hmm. And that's in my opinion anyway. And that's clear. That's the, not that any part of his game is weak, but that is the weakest part of Cameron Young's game. All yeah. right. What's next? And one I'm more four for I'm four for four. Yeah, one more comment on Cameron Young. I don't, he doesn't, I don't love how he looks over three and a half, four footers. I'd like for him just to be able to, not to say you should bury every one of those, but I'd like to see him bury more than what he uh, has done in like the pressure moments that we have seen. Because he was in the spotlight a lot this year. All right. I mean, the way he played at the Open was unbelievable. Oh, I know. I know. Just, but that, again, that's a course that was all about the, like the, that course was so much about the driver. All right. I got a couple of easy ones for you here. Uh, oh, this, I hate the easy ones. Give me the hard ones. <laughs> this player had uh, six. This player has six top eight finishes in his first nine career majors, something no player has done since 1957. Shaffler. Yeah. Will Zell Torres. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> so since the beginning you of... You know, Zell Torres, since he got hurt in August, he's just like, I'm not hearing his name. So I, he's just kind of off the radar for me. Yeah, no, I hear you. So since the beginning of 2021, Zell Torres has averaged... 2.51 strokes gained total per round in the majors. Most by any player by, by looks like 0.13. The, those guys are Will Zalatoris at 2.51. Scotty at 2.38. Uh, Colin Morikawa at 2.21. Rory at 2.17. John Rahm at 2.10. And then Spieth all the way down at 1.84. So obviously some uh, some very good company. It'll be interesting to see how that how that continues to play out. Because mm-hmm. very often it's like that. He can't keep up that pace, obviously. Mm-hmm. So is he going to look back on those eight majors as missed opportunities or as, uh, you know, I, it'll just be interesting to watch him in majors this year, particularly he's coming off an injury. I don't know if he had surgery or anything, but. I'm not sure either. He did. He did kind of battle like he hurt his wrist a little bit. You know, he had a few things kind of going on with his body last year. Um. But yeah, there you go. You're talking about major championships and gaining strokes. It furthers my previous point about what does Zalatoris do really well? Mm-hmm. He approaches the green really well. He yeah. is not a super duper good chipper, and he looks uneasy on the green sometimes. But he put that put a six iron in that guy's hand. And he's one of the best players in the world. Yeah, no, I agree. That plays at majors big time. All right. Who uh, who became the youngest player to win twice on the PGA Tour in 90 years? Tom Kim? Yes. So I, I, I guess I kind of I kind of forgot about this this part of the Shriners, but he Kim did make a he didn't make a single bogey the entire week in Vegas, becoming <laughs> the second player since nineteen seventy four to win an individual PGA tour event. Without dropping a single shot, I forgot about that too. <laughs> that's in, that's incredible. I'd like to play the first hole at Baby without making a bogey. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that would be nice, wouldn't it? All right, uh, this player staged the largest final round comeback in a major since 1999. I guess Justin Thomas. Yeah, he was. He, yep, that is correct. He was trailing Mito going into the final round by seven shots. That didn't feel like a comeback. But it just qualifies as a comeback, I did, guess. Did, did me. <laughs> I don't it was another one that Zalatoris. Zalatoris was in a playoff. Yep. And I was, love that course. I can't wait to go back there. Poor Mito. 
Yeah. Or shall we say Guillermo Mito? Yeah. (laughs) The seven shot final round comeback tied the third largest by a men's major champion in the modern era. It was the largest to win a major since Paul Laurie at the 99 Open, who was 10. Oh, jeez. Yeah, and that hardly counts because that was a weather thing. Who was 10 back of Vandevelde. It was weather-related? Well, it's it's weather-related slash, again, kind of like the Mito thing, like a, you know, just like you need a miracle on the last hole. Mm Mm-hmm. But yeah, the Open Championship is always is the one that, to me, is like you kind of have to put context around those comeback. Like Ben Curtis won an Open Championship; he put it out like as the leaders were teeing off. <laughs> you're, so, so you're saying it, more from like a from a when you go off and and the weather related to that. Exactly. Right. Okay, I got gotcha, you. Gotcha. Both a draw on Thursday and Friday, but also just changes in weather, and they play every. They spread everybody out and play one to eighteen all four all one all four days. Everybody in the field, which is unique to the Open Championship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's there's not. You you might know so that the this one doesn't really have the way to answer the question because I think you should know it. Who who joined Jack Nicholas is the only player to win the U.S. Amateur and the U.S. Open at the same course. Essentially, who won the U.S. Open? I know, and now I can't. Uh, where did we play the U.S. Open this year? The Country Club. Who won that? Uh, Matthew Fitzpatrick. That's right. So a couple of Gosh points. Gosh dang it. That was so chalky too. <laughs> yeah. I felt I almost didn't even give you a question. I, thought it was I know. See, that's what I mean. The easy <laughs> yeah. ones, like, you just caught me in a brain fart there. So he hit 17 greens in regulation on his way on the on Sunday to win, um, win the U.S. Open. That was the first time in the last 30 years. That has happened, uh, and like I said, he joins Jack Nicholas, who's only ever done, who is the only other person to do that. And he did that at Pebble Beach. Interesting. I was just going to ask, where did he do that? Mm-hmm. That's interesting. That doesn't feel like a Nicholas course, short little seaside course, but he's How? just good. He's just good. That's like a Tiger record. It's like whatever. I'm in the field. I'm going to win. Yeah, exactly. How many days did it take Scotty Scheffler from go? from going winless on the PGA Tour to number one in the world? <laughs> well, he won four times in seven weeks or something like that. I don't know at what point in there he went number one. I'm going to say it's like probably like 14 days. Uh, it was 42 days. Oh, so, so the 40, whole t- okay. He needed that whole stretch. Of so forty-two okay. days after winning the uh, Waste Management Phoenix Open, he was number one in the world. It was the f- by far the shortest period of time. The next closest be- <laughs> was in nineteen ninety-seven by who? Tiger. Yes, and that took Tiger two hundred and fifty-two days next- from his first win to be number one in the world. Correct. Next closest is David Duval at five hundred and thirty-two days. And then the last happened in 2015, and that took seven. So was he number days. one in the world then? The day after he won the Masters, that about how long it is from the waste management to the Masters? Um, because it's, it's like timing related. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, hundred percent. I he won a bunch of events leading up to a major, and then won the major. So like after that. It must have been. Right, I'm it certain been he was before. number one by at the day after he won at Augusta, but he may have already been. 
He was already. So Scheffler was okay. the first player to make his debut as the world number one at Augusta since Ian Woosnam in 1991. Just like Woosnam, Scheffler went on to win. That's a cool stat. Yeah. So... What do you pro? What do you forecast, Scheffler? If I set the over under wins for Scotty Scheffler, twenty twenty three, at one and a half, Are you going over or under? Um, I'll answer first again. Since I'm going to go under. I, I would go under. Okay, I'm going under too. That's why. I, I, that's why I wanted to get it before you. <laughs> so it seemed like I was tailing you. <laughs> I just feel like it's such a hard pace to keep up. Yeah. I mean, he's played amazing. And he's continuing to play well. I mean, he just played well uh, wherever we were just two weeks ago. I can't freaking remember. Oh, Short-term memory and lack of sleep is really eating away at my brain. But, like, I don't know. I, I, I don't see him slowing down either. I just think it's hard to win. Oh, 100%. Is he presently number one in the world? No, I did not. Rory's probably overtaken him, right? This is probably that Tour Championship gets all wonky. Yeah, I believe it's... Yeah, yeah it's, it's Rory's, Rory's first, Rory. then, Scheffler. All right, a couple more here. Uh, two players. So, for the last in the last 40 years, nobody had opened a tournament with a triple bogey or worse and went on to win that tournament then it happened twice in the same month who were those players this one's a little tougher i kind of remember i remember this but not well enough to it wasn't home at wells fargo was it one was in the playoff was in the playoffs and then one was pretty close to the near the end of the regular season just tell me uh tom kim at the windham championship started his week with a quadruple bogey that figures so he won one tournament without won the shriners without making a bogey and he won a different tournament with a triple bogey on the first hole the window yep went on to win that one by five that's and, and i don't know if you remember i think we were texting i remember text we were texting during this a front nine twenty seven on sunday yeah. <laughs> he was unconscious insane and then three weeks later, the Tour Championship, Rory was already giving six shots to Sky Shuffler because it's a net event, and he opened his tournament with a triple bogey. I forgot about that. And went on to win. He loves to make triples, though. He does. How do you make triple at number one at Eastlake? Hit it out of bounds? There's a video of it. Let's see what he does. <laughs> yep, he went left out of bounds. He did that. He does go left out of bounds sometimes. Off he, he did that at Royal Birkdale. He goes left into the trees. And there's literally like a million people watching oh, him. And they're like, he's going to win. Yeah. And then he reteed and hit it like three feet from where he hit the first one. Yeah. Hit it, he hit it into the bunker. It looks like. Ah. All right. And then the final. That's pretty wild to triple the first and then win a tournament and have it happen twice in the same month. I'll give you that. I don't know. How I'm, gonna, I'm probably not going to be able to to put this one into question form. Well, that's quite all right because my brain's tired. <laughs> this was a, this is a really good one, though. For the first time since the inception of the Masters in 1934, all four majors were won by players younger than 30. 
So I, and I, I believe we were about this time last year when we were talking about kind of like the shift in golf and. Dude, I just players. feel we gotta we gotta go back and pull that audio. You asked me for a bold prediction in 2022, and I said something like the average age of major winners will be <laughs> yeah. under 28 or something no, like that. And you were like, like "It already is." Really, you no, were like, "That's not a bold prediction." And no, then look, we have four major winners under the age of 30, which is essentially what I was trying to say: is that the youth <laughs> movement is finally gonna happen in major champion. And Mito almost won, should have won the PGA. Which would have made the he's like twenty four. I would like the record to reflect that I believe you said like the average age to be like thirty six. No, come on. <laughs> it was much older. <laughs> that's the uh, that's the uh, that's that's the other end of the spectrum. And that's why I that's why I started giving you crap because I go that's the most obvious prediction of all no, time. No, that's not what I said. That's not what I said. Nice try. Nice try. Uh, well, those were fun. Yeah. So, did that... you watch the QBE shootout? Uh, I did not. I no, watched. It was really exciting. Was it? It really was. Well, give it us. Was give like, us a I couldn't. Be- what, uh... I couldn't believe it. Like everyone in my, even in my wife's family, was watching it. But it was really exciting down the stretch. I feel like more now that that one. I think I said last week. Sometimes the scoring can get a little spread out when you only have twelve teams. Didn't happen like that at all this time. I mean, I know English and Kucher won this thing by nine two years ago, but I think we're now in a better spot with it. It was like dramatic for the last hour because there were four teams with a chance. You have to make a birdie on every hole. Palmer had a wild sequence where he was in a bad spot, chipped it short and it came back to his feet, and then he chipped the next one in for birdie. Uh, and then Palmer and Hoffman each had about a 10, 12 footer on 18, two chances to t- tie Degala and Hoagie. Degala made everything on the back nine. He's such a good putter, including like a 20 footer on 18, uh, which turned out to be enough to win because neither Hoffman nor Palmer could convert Palmer to his credit made everything on Sunday too. I know Charlie said after the round, the putts didn't fall for him, but. He missed that one on 18 and maybe a couple others that he could have made, but he was making bombs all week. They were the last, they had the longest odds of anyone in the tournament, which granted weren't long. It was like 25 to one, something stupid. But they were literally the, Vegas thought they were the worst team in the tournament. They had a 10 footer to tie on the, uh, on the last hole. But I thought it was also interesting that most of our picks we're pretty good. I know I know that's 12 teams. How can your picks be bad? But we had talked about Molinax and Stallings as a possible top five play. We also talked about Denny and Corda as a possible top five play. They both tied those teams tied for fifth. And we also talked about Homa and Kisner being probably the most talented team and even though Kis was playing like trash, if they put it together a little bit, that they would have a really good chance. And they did after starting slow like they played great two great back nines the last two days um to give themselves a chance which was exciting to watch but uh really a great broadcast i was seriously impressed yeah well and I'm, I'm that's i'm shocked to hear that because i mean you're kind of the anti-hit and giggle guy 
I love the team. The, for some reason, it's the team thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Like, I think the team golf is fun. And they all seem to be, it's a little less competitive, but like you still want to win. Mm-hmm. And the juices get flowing at the end. And it just it just worked out this year where there were a bunch of teams who had a chance at the end. It looked like the Palmer and Hoffman team was done. And then they like came back to life and started making birdies and all of a sudden pushed for a chance to win it at the end. I mean, on 18, they just all four like just threw darts in there. It was again, everybody having four teams having a chance have to make birdie on every hole. And the team format all together just made for a really compelling finish on Sunday. So hands, hand clap for the, for the QBE. And I hope you guys got a chance to watch that too. It was really exciting. And maybe you picked up one of those top fives. I think you were right about the ladies having to play the same tees. They've got to fix that. 18 is 485. Nelly had to hit like a three wood or something. Into 18 green. And she lipped it out. Like she nearly made it. I don't know. They did. I don't even know if they said, hey, she's 240 or whatever. But I'm thinking, this whole is a 485 par four. Like she cannot hit it as far as the guys move her up. And they would probably have been right in the mix at the end. As it was, they tied for fifth. So I don't know. I just felt that's odd. When you said that, I thought that can't be true. And then you're right. And in watching it, it's like, then why would you have a lady on your team? I mean, it's fun. They're very good. I get it. But they like that's too. There's a point at which it's too far. Yeah. Charlie hit driver pitching wedge on 18. Okay. Nelly had to hit a wood. That's not fair. Fix it. Yeah. But a great event. A great tournament. Great, great uh, broadcast. And congrats to Sahith. Let me ask you this, because this was something I was thinking about. Any part of him disappointed, you think, that his first PGA Tour victory is the QBE shootout on a team with Tom Hoagie? Well, like, I, is he I, I coming down think... the stretch there at all, thinking to himself, maybe we just get second here? I mean, I think you might be just fine. be, you're being a little loosey-goosey with the PGA Tour win term. I don't think, I don't think, <laughs> I don't think he's... <laughs> I don't think he's leaving this so weekend. So you don't even think he's counting it as to himself as a real no, achievement? No, why would he? <laughs> because he's, he's he played awesome. I know, but there's only 24 guys in the or 24 people in the field. I know, and and it's not even a PJ Tour sanctioned event. I don't think he's like. I don't it think he's is, posting though. on his Instagram. It is. It's on the PNC <laughs> is not PJ Tour sanctioned. It's Champions Tour sanctioned, but QBE is technically a PJ Tour. He has a PGA Tour victory. Oh, he does. As a I'm result, getting, of I'm that getting event. the PNC and the QB. You're telling yeah, you me you are. You are. So is he? Did he, they get official World Golf rankings for for that this past week? You know, that's a great question. I'm going to look right now because I imagine they probably did, and I bet Thigala moved way up. There's no way. He's already been moving. Uh, how does how does Sahith and um and Tom Hoagie find each other? You know, I thought that was an interesting team. Is too. that like on Craigslist? But talk about two guys that are straight balling. Yeah. I mean, maybe that's. We talked about them being the Homa and Kisner being the really good team and them being or the really talented team and Hoagie and Thigala being a really hot team. Well, I'm in the Hoagie's. No, no. 
Hoagie's moved down one spot in the last from 36 to 37. So it looks like and Thigala's moved up one to 43 from 44. So and it's Tuesday, so those they've already updated this, right? I would I would hope they don't do a first world golf right So I, I it looks like they get either zero or very few. But I do think they get a PJ tour win. No, I don't think I think it would be I understand what you're saying, but I think it'd be it'd be a it'd be a crazy thought process to have. The, that's that, that's world. just how sick I am in the head. Can't have any can't have can't split accolades. You gotta have them all for your own. Maybe you're right, because I now I'm looking at his I don't think player profile. <laughs> And it doesn't say that he has a career victory. Color me shocked. (laughs) I don't know, man. It's on the schedule. What is it then? It's a it it is for once it is a true hit and giggle. Like I think for all it's not there's no true you know, you and I should just start the hit and giggle tour. Well, I don't think I don't think we you wouldn't be fully invested in that. We might be able to pick up a couple live guys. All right. Looking forward. We covered the PNC. It's also Christmas time, Hunter. Would you rather talk about... Oh, actually, first, update us on what's going on with Alex Scott. Will you give us the results from that? And then you can pick. We can either talk about golf at Christmas. Do you want a golf present for Christmas? And if so, what is it? You can give me a range finder if you want. Or we can talk about the World Cup. And whether or not my plus one seventy five France to reach the final is going to hit against your, the love of your life, the Moroccan World Cup team. Yeah, if I were you, I'd be I'd be shaking my boots. That's for <laughs> sure. All right, so they uh yes, so I, I remember last week, I'm just a big dumb idiot and I couldn't remember where Alex was playing, but the Latino America Tour uh, is actually back up and going. He was playing this past weekend at or in Argentina. At the uh, Naquan Argentina Classic, uh, Cristobal Del Soler won at 1600 par, and Alex Scott actually played pretty well. Finished in a, a T tie twelfth. He shot uh, seven seven under par, seventy two seventy. Played well on Saturday. Shot sixty eight. Rounded it out with a seventy one. So we will. Let's see. Now they are off to. They're actually off now from one more one more event. Let me see if the, the Scotia uh, Wealth Management Chile Open presented by Volvo is the 15th to the 18th. So we will uh, give you some updates uh, on that event when uh, those results are in next week. So it sounds like he's going to he's just going to keep playing any of the L.A. tours that he can get into until he gets so this whatever's is, yeah. whatever starts he has on them. Fair. I'm not sure what happens after this week or after next, I guess would be this week, uh, because there are, they are on a break from the 18th of December all the way till the 16th of March. Whoa. Okay. So, we'll, uh, so we'll probably get a, hopefully it has a couple corn fairy appearances then. Yeah. Between now and March something. I don't know. That's so confusing trying to figure all that out. So, all right. So you think Morocco is going to beat France in the world cup? I I don't know. I think France has a lot better finishers than Spain did or does. But the way Morocco played against Spain was 
like textbook textbook how a bad team or not a bad team a team that is not nearly as skilled yeah an inferior team to get through yeah i mean it was morocco is going to be trying to go to penalties i i i kept thinking that because it looked like that for the last 10 minutes of extra time 15 minutes of extra time they kind of realized like okay our backs are up against the wall but they they broke out a lot more than i ever imagined they were going to like they had a few chances where they had a chance either it was right at the end of the first extra time or kind of in the middle of the second extra time where they had a breakaway. It was like one guy to beat and he just kind of got his feet tangled up in Spain's box and the ball rolled out of bounds. But I, I just looked it up. Uh, it's like plus 1100 odds for a Chile or uh, I just said, I was talking about Chile a little bit ago, uh, a Croatia, Morocco, Morocco final. final. I, it goes against it's not happen- it's not plus one seventy five France. It's hard for me to say it's not happening because like those Croatia. I don't see how Croatia loses right now. They're playing out of their minds. Like I think Croatia has a much better chance to get through than Morocco. Oh yeah, yeah. And the, the Argentina is a weaker side than France. Yes, yes. France is should be. A, I don't know what the odds say right now. They should be a heavy, heavy favorite to win the World Cup at this point. Let's uh let's see what they are. It should be like minus three fifty. So um, well, if if you wanted to right now, you could still get France for plus money to win the World Cup at plus one fifteen on FanDuel. I will take it. Argentina is plus one sixty. Croatia is plus seven fifty, and Morocco is plus eleven hundred. That's insane to me. What am I missing? I, I Morocco is really good. I think is what I think is maybe what you're what you're failing to realize. They're fan, they're, they're fantastic. They play really good defense. They're, I the get that, that only... but dude, France is minus one eighty five to beat Morocco. See, I don't know where I have them at. So <laughs> the odds on FanDuel, are... the World Cup odds and the DraftKings odds for World Cup might might be way different. Are you looking at? So soccer does. I'm looking at regular time money line, not to advance. Okay, that's that's where our because France to advance is minus four twenty five, which I totally understand. I would have them probably minus three hundred to win the World Cup. I don't think they're going to lose to any of these other teams left. Well, here's your chance to get a plus. One, I'm on it, plus one fifteen. I'm all about it. <laughs> Are you kidding me? Giving out plus money on France for futures. They're in. We're in the semi. I only have to win two more games. <laughs> it Give does me seem, a break. It does seem pretty crazy. I thought I was going to go sell my plus one seventy five to advance to the final. Man, I got so, I got so, I got hurt last Thursday bad on a parlay. Did you watch the end of that Raiders game? Raiders played Thursday night. It was the same night that I was hot. I had won that Michigan State parlay on Tuesday. Mm-hmm. And I've been doing well on college basketball. And so I was a little uneasy about Michigan going to Minnesota because we never play well there, but I thought they're definitely going to win this game. We need to win a game. We're better than Minnesota. We're like minus five and a half or something. So instead of just taking the minus five and a half for plus 100, 
I decided I would take the Michigan money line and parlay that with the Oakland money line, who was also like minus 300 or something. And that got me a plus 100. This was the the Baker Mayfield game. Oh, oh, that's all you had to say. So I'm sitting there on my couch. The Raiders are giving this game away and I have my app open and I'm going to cash out. I'm like, I don't care. This is not going well for the Raiders. Their draftings was going to give me like 15 bucks instead of 20 bucks or whatever it was. So I bet totally insignificant amounts of money. But Henry started crying. So I had to get up from the couch, go into the bedroom. And by the time I came back out, Baker Mayfield was on like the 25 yard line of the Raiders or something. And they were no longer offering me any, they had suspended my cash out option. So I ended up losing that parlay because the Rams scored a last second touchdown to win by, not last, pretty close to last second, to win by a point. I was the only person in America sitting there going, Baker Mayfield, damn you. You just cost me 10 bucks, dude. Yeah, that was, that was, uh, I, I was up for that. That was pretty insane to watch i i don't know what to think about maker baker mayfield i think you could if you wanted to to give baker mayfield excuses you could find quite a few between all the coaches he's had different offenses i think you give him a decent give him a decent team around him i think he can still be a uh, a top 15 quarterback in the league so you think he's better than jared goff who would you rather have quarterback in the lines this week, Jared Goff or Baker Jared Mayfield? Goff. Jared Goff. <clears throat> okay, Goff. Baker Mayfield had been on the team. If you were started going into next year, then who would you rather have, Jared Goff or Baker Mayfield? I um, I don't know. So this is where I was. I was going to parlay parlay this into the lion, a little bit of Lions talk. I don't think. I think Jared makes enough good throws, enough good decisions to to warrant staying at quarterback for the Lions. I feel like so you do not want them to draft a quarterback. I don't think they need to. It'll be very interesting to see what happens over these last four weeks. But if Jerry plays like he's playing right now, he still misses a few throws that you probably shouldn't miss in the NFL. But he also he makes a lot of good decisions. And he manages the game decently well. No, I think it's it's, it's always a fascinating question. That's why ESPN gets does this every morning. They just grade in the in the absence of anything else, great quarterbacks because it's a fascinating discussion. And Baker Mayfield is in that group that which I think includes a lot of guys who are border like Colt McCoy would be much better at quarterback for the Texans than the two options they have. He played last night and I didn't get to see because I know Kyler got hurt. But in his other occasions of filling in, he is more than serviceable. He played fine for the Red students for a whole year. Like Baker reminds me of that kind of guy. Like maybe it's the Rams. Yeah. I don't know what's up with Stafford, but the Rams would be a perfect fit for Baker Mayfield because they have a great coach. They have a good system. They're going to surround him with talent and a good defense. Now, granted, I think the Rams might be about to burst for salary cap reasons. And I think they've, you know, they're going to have to go through maybe a couple of years of reshuffling here, but that kind of an organization, Baker Mayfield, I think would be just fine, but there's like six or eight or 10 quarterbacks who you think these make, these guys make everyone around them better. They're, They're like, you'll go up and get that guy. You'll, 
trade up for that guy. You'll trade picks for that guy, whatever. Maybe there's six, eight, ten of those. Max. And then grading pretty much everyone else is really difficult. Like, I see there's a, such a range of opinions on Justin Herbert, who just who uh, just played on Sunday night, who I think is fantastic. And there are people still out there who think that he's a bum. His team's a bum. Teams are full of bunch of bums, but I don't think he's a His bum. His coach is a bum. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting to see. Do you think the Lions make the playoffs? No. No, of course not. There are – there are. Um, they have to they they've they have to pass either the Giants or or the Redskins, or or the, or the Seahawks. So this, I think the Seahawks two out of three of those, right? No, nah, they only have to pass. Are we in the seventh spot or the eighth spot right now? We are in the eighth spot. We're one out of the playoffs right now. Two out. Two out. I thought it was seven teams now. Oh. So, You're right. so we've been Gosh, we've been running. That's confusing, isn't it? Yeah, it is a little bit. So we've been running. All, the my buddies have been running all these simulations, and it seems like they they definitely need to win <laughs> three out of four, and then they need. Oh, to I think for which would give them nine wins, right? I would give them yes. Nine and eight. Nine and nine and eight. I think you're you're you have a pretty small chance. The thing is, we order that we have the tiebreaker that so we've beaten. The Giants and Washington, right? Um, yes. Yeah, I beat Washington like the second the second game of the season, I believe. Lost to the Seahawks. That was the game where we just got our doors blown off. Right. And those are the other teams who I think are going to be a factor. So that's that's something to watch. I don't know. I mean, I think it's possible, but the Lions are the Lions, dude. Yeah, that is. Uh... They're not going to win three out of the next four, or if they do, three out of the next four won't be good enough. And they'll miss on the number or something. <laughs> Wouldn't that be hilarious? <laughs> uh, do you know the Lions? The Lions, can you name the only other team in the NFL that doesn't have a playoff win in the last 20 seasons? What's that? Can you name the only other team in the NFL that does not have a playoff? I think it's a playoff victory, I'm pretty sure, in the last 20 seasons in the league that literally tries to get you to the playoffs by giving you the top picks and the easiest schedule when you stink? I I have no I want to say my first thought was the Browns, but I think they just made it. Um, yeah. Not the Texans. The Dolphins have stunk. For it's a the, while. Dolphins. Yeah, the Dolphins. Great answer. It is the Dolphins. <laughs> And I think the Dolphins and the Lions have more in common than people realize. Because watch the the rest of the Dolphins season, and it's going to look a lot like watching the Lions. See, I don't like you saying that because I like like Mike McDaniel a lot. I think he's really funny. I like Mike McDaniel too, but Tua is not good. He's hurt. He's always hurt. (laughs) I think it's... All right, we got got to go. We'll be back next week with... uh, what in the world are we going to talk about next week, Hunter? Not a clue. We're going to give, we're going to talk we're going to give so much full, about the dailies. A we're shot, going to talk shot by shot breakdown of the PNC Championship. Yes, it's going to be a lot of Little John and Charlie Woods next week, folks. All right. We'll talk to you.